Here's Pastor Steve Converse to introduce us to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. So we get up in the morning, we get out of bed, and we go and look in the mirror, and it starts right there. And all of a sudden, you know, we see the bags under the eyes and the wrinkles and everything, and we're going, okay, this is not good. And it just goes downhill from there. Then you realize you gotta, you know, eat breakfast and you're on a diet so you can't eat what you wanna eat, but you gotta eat something that doesn't really taste that tasty or whatever. And then you're trying to plan out your day and, and everything just begins to kinda bear down on your shoulders. And before you're ever even gonna get in the car and, and start the car up to go, which doesn't start, you know, it's, it's just the world's crashing. The whole day's gone. Sometimes we need to stop and say, you know what, before I even get out of bed in the morning, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not allow all this stuff to speak to me, but I'm going to speak truth to myself. Spiritual stability. And we all long for it. There's times that the pendulum swing in our lives gets to going so fast that we just want to stop and get off the merry-go-round. Well, the fact is we do have encouragement here in Philippians chapter 4. In fact, seven steps to spiritual stability. Hello and welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. If you'll join us in Philippians 4, we'll continue our series, Seven Steps to Spiritual Stability, and we'll take a look at the concern of instability and then go on to see the principles that produce spiritual stability. Join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. We find ourselves in Philippians chapter 4, and I just want to read our text for us as we begin our study today. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In the, in the very first verse, he says, so stand firm or stand fast in the Lord. That's a, that's a command. That's not an option. That's an imperative command. And it's actually used in military circles, culturally. It was used in a way, kind of the, the idea of stand your ground, stand your post in the midst of the battle. Don't you dare retreat. That's the idea. It means to hold your position while you're under attack. It means what Paul was saying in Ephesians 6, in the middle of the battle, you've got your armor on and you've, you've, you've done everything to stand. That's the idea. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand firmly no matter what comes. 
You don't want to crumble under persecution. You don't want to compromise. You don't want to crumble when it comes time for your testing or, or complaining about it. You don't want to crumble under temptation and sin. You want to stand firm. That's what Paul is trying to point out to them. And if you stop and you think about it, that's really where Paul's heart is. None of us would like to see people crumble under temptation or crumble under persecution. I was watching something on the TV the other day and it was... I don't know if it was in Australia or where, but they had this military unit. I think they were called the Legion. And what they did is they took these guys and they, it's like a basic training thing for the specialized unit. And these poor guys, you know, they, they basically have a bunch of guys and they went them down to these kind of um, eight, eight or nine guys. <clears throat> and uh, they showed some of the things that they make these guys do. And one of the things was they carry this rock around with them wherever they go. They just got to bring this rock. It's probably like a, I don't know, five pound rock. And they have this big, like, it looks like they're out in the middle of the desert kind of, but there's like brush on the ground and stuff. And there's this big hill and it's just like rocky all the way up, just rocks, you know, like you're walking on, on, a, on a stream bed or something. And uh, for their, their discipline, what they had to do is they had to go out and they had to make trips up and back. And this is after hours and hours of training and they're just exhausted for the most part. And the, the, the sergeant would kind of stand up in this little, this little uh, uh, outpost up on, up on stands and he'd be yelling at the guys. Like they'd be coming back and you could see them, you know, they're just dragging their feet and they're dead, you know, to, on, their, on their feet and they're carrying this rock and, and he goes, how many times have you gone up there, you know? And it's like, oh, five, you know, how many more times do you have to go? He said, well, once. He said, you know what? You're back at zero. Just like that for no reason, you know. And I mean, just totally playing with their mind. And uh, this one poor guy, you know, he just would not, and whenever they would do that, they would tempt them. Go ahead, ring the bell. If you ring the bell, you can go home. You can go home and see your family. You don't need to be here. You know, you're dragging the whole unit down. Just go ring the bell. You know, no hard feelings, just go home. And this one guy, man, he's just shuffling his feet up and down this hill. And, and the, the sergeant wanted him out of the unit. He just wanted him gone because he was kind of dragging everybody else down. And the idea is you got to build a cohesive unit. And if you have one guy that's constantly in the rears, um, you know, it's not going to work. But they have to do this voluntarily. So they just picked this one guy out of the, these people. And they just, they even turned the other guys against him. It was, it was crazy. And I guess eventually the guy did ring the bell and go home. But... You know, to see the commitment these men had. I'm not going to give any ground. I'm going to take my stand and that's the way it's going to be. Um, that's what, what Paul is, is talking about here. And those guys would be a lot better off because they stood their ground and they stuck together as a unit. And what Paul is saying, hey, don't, don't allow things from the world to come in and break up your cohesive relationship you have with each other. And so he, he commands them here very clearly that he wants them to stand firm. Stand firm. A.W. Tozer once said this in a sermon he was preaching. He said, I've been assessing the church for a long time. My conclusion is basically that the church is politely bored with God. <laughs> kind of an interesting assessment. Politely bored with God. And he went on to say, he says, you expect me to entertain you. You expect me to do something that will attract your attention and titillate your emotions. Because frankly, if all I do is talk about God, you'll be bored. And he goes on to say, if one is bore, bored with God, 
That's really a blasphemous attitude and probably leads to the kind of apathy that would make a command of God something more like a suggestion. See, that's what Paul doesn't want them to take. He doesn't want them to misunderstand that this is a command to stand firm. He wants them to understand very clearly that this is his desire and it's not an option. It comes from God. He says, therefore, you know, stand fast in the Lord. And he understands what they've gone through up to this point. That's why he says, therefore, all the stuff that they dealt with. And you stop and you think of, of Christ and you stop and you think of all the things that he went through. That's the whole purpose of, of our Christian walk is to become more like Christ. Well, you know what? Did he ever comp compromise? No. Did he ever sin? No. The Bible says he who knew no sin. He was without sin. He was perfect. Jesus Christ is the model. And he stood firm against all of it. And he never violated any of God's principles. Was he persecuted? Sure. Did he fall? No. Did he compromise? No. Was he tempted? Yes. But did he fall? No. Did he sin? No. He was put through all kinds of trials. But he didn't crumble. He didn't collapse. He stood firm. And that's, that's the, the, the model that we have. And so the goal of our, our life as Christians is to make sure that we're, we're following after what Christ has laid down for us, that, that example. And you notice here that he's kind of speaking from a pastor's heart. He calls him my beloved. He says, I long for you with joy. There's a bond there between these people. And he begins to explain to them that he says that you're my, my joy. You're not only my love, he says my beloved, but you're also my joy. And you know, you stop and you think the two kind of go together, don't they? Love and joy. Um, if you love somebody, usually they make your heart joyful. You know, he didn't get joy out of his circumstances. You realize that? I mean, his circumstances were not good. He was in prison when he was writing this. He was chained to a Roman soldier, probably in a, in a private prison house. Um, he didn't get personal joy out of his circumstances. But he got it out of his ministry. He got it out of the people that he ministered to, the, the church that he belonged to, the church that he loved. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, Who is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you? That's what Paul wrote. He says, For you are our glory and our joy. It's just kind of an interesting thing. We sang a, a hymn. Uh, we sing a hymn once in a while uh, speaking about a diadem. Well, that's that word here for crown. Diadem. Um, it really talked about culturally says, when he says, not only my joy, but my crown, it, culturally back then they would have a, a kind of a laurel, like a flowery leaf or reef that they would put around people's necks, all right, when they would, um, for certain occasions. One of the occasions was in athletic events, they would get a, a reef at the end. That was their, kind of like their gold medal kind of a deal. And the other time was when you wanted to honor somebody. Maybe you had a function, a family function, you want to honor, honor your grandfather or whatever. Well, you'd put a, a, a reef around his neck and that would be designate him as the honored individual. Well, what Paul says here is, you are my crown. 
He means you're my reward. The reef is, is the, the trophy here. The trophy is kind of the sense of their, their lives being fruitful. And if you stop and you think, you know, th that's the most rewarding thing when, when you see God working in people's hearts and in people's lives and reuniting families and, 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 and putting things the way they should be before God. And it's God's work. He's doing it. But it's such a, a, a rewarding thing to watch happen. Paul even said to the Corinthians, you are the seal of my apostleship. In other words, when I look at you and what God's doing in you, it really shows me clearly that, uh, that God is working. So he kind of lathers them up a little bit, sincerely. <laughs> but then at the end of the verse there, he says, so stand firm in the Lord. And it, the language in the original totally changes. The first couple words there, you know, loved, beloved, long for, my joy, my crown. They're all kind of a, a very soft kind of a way of talking to somebody. Very nice in conversation. And all of a sudden it's like he just snaps and says, so stand firm in the Lord. His whole demeanor changes. And we, we don't want to miss that little word there. I don't know if it's in your translation. It should be so. Stand fast in the Lord. And what that means, that little word so in, in the Greek, it, it means uh, kind of in this way. In other words, I'm about ready to tell you how you can stand fast in the Lord. In this way, stand fast in the Lord. And then he was going to go on and, and, and kind of share with us in verses 2 through 9 how to do that. And so you have to learn the principles here. First of all, it's in the Word of God, and, and that's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. These, these verses that are before us. And I, I just want to read them at this point, verses 1 through 9, so we can just kind of get a feel for where we're going to be going in the coming weeks. Verse 1, he says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Odia, and I implore Sintik to be of the same mind in the Lord. Those are the two women we were talking about. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel. And with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And then he begins in verse 4, and he begins to give these kind of almost staccato kind of commands. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Another one, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he says, finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Now as we're going to be, begin looking at these verses in the coming weeks, there's a stability there that we see kind of Paul giving principles how to have stability in your Christian walk. He kind of lists them off there for us. Seven steps, you might put it. But you know, it wasn't, it didn't really necessarily start here. Um, 
You remember even back in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, uh, Peter says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on guard lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men. You fall from your own steadfastness. That's what, what, what Paul, Peter had in mind for Barnabas. He wanted him to stand firm. And sometimes when you don't stand firm, your whole world crumbles around you, spiritually. And you begin to believe the lies that the world is telling you. You begin to believe the lies that even your own mind is telling you. That's why I think here in verse, um, in verse 9, when he says, he gives a list of things, and he says, you know what, think on these things. Um, sometimes when we get up in the mornings, you know what we allow to speak to our hearts are circumstances. So we get up in the morning, we get out of bed, and we go and look in the mirror, and it starts right there. And all of a sudden, you know, we see the bags under the eyes and the wrinkles and everything, and we're going, okay, this is not good. And it just goes downhill from there. Then you realize you've got to, you know, eat breakfast, and you're on a diet, so you can't eat what you want to eat, but you've got to eat something that doesn't really taste that tasty or whatever. And then you're trying to plan out your day, and, and everything just begins to kind of bear down on your shoulders. And before you ever even get in the car and, and start the car up to go, which doesn't start, you know, it's, it's just the world's crashing. The whole day's gone. Sometimes we need to stop and say, you know what, before I even get out of bed in the morning, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not allow all this stuff to speak to me, but I'm going to speak truth to myself. I'm going to sit here and, 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 and just recite some scriptures in my mind, you know, that I'm secure in Christ, <laughs> that, you know, my sins are forgiven, that whatever this day holds, Jesus, you said that you would get me through it, no matter what it is. That's the kind of attitude we need to start the day with. I guarantee you, if you try that, it works. Because then when the problems come, it's not that the problems don't come, the problems always come. That's the nature of life. We all have problems. So deal with it. How do we deal with it? That's the key. How are we going to deal with these problems? How are we going to deal with the situations that come into our lives? Are we going to allow them to create an unstable environment spiritually for us? So that we're, by noon, we're even wondering if we're a Christian at all, you know, because he's done, you know, so many crazy things up to this point, and we're doubting, and we're, you know, the Lord is the furthest thing from our mind. And what Paul is saying here is, don't fall into that trap. There's a way, and there's, a, there's some principles that he's going to share with us to kind of lead us in the way that we should be as believers, spiritually. And I, and I just want to share a couple, a couple uh, verses with you this morning in closing. And this is just the introduction to this because, you know, I looked at the whole thing and I didn't have time to develop the whole, the whole process of this. So we're going to look at it again next week and probably the week after that. But I just want to share a couple verses as we close. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, um, Paul says, Look for the freedom Christ has set us free. And then he goes on, he says, Don't you fall back, but stand firm. See, I think sometimes when to stand firm, you have to realize where you've come. If you, if you don't realize from where you've come, how are you going to know where you're standing is firm? You know, if you move back, you're not going to know that you've moved back. So you have to have a proper understanding of where you've come from. And if, if God has saved you, if Christ has paid for your sins and you're forgiven, 
He says, stand firm. Don't, don't go back into that. In this case here in Galatians, he was talking about the legalism of, of Judaism. He's saying, don't go back there and start practicing all these things. They have nothing to do with Christ. Christ made you free. In Colossians chapter 4, Epaphras is praying that you would stand firm, complete, in the will of God. That's another thing that, that we want to make sure that we're, we're focusing on. What is God's will for me today? Let's stand firm in the will of God. And identify God's will for us. There's, it's revealed in his word. You know, you don't have to, you know, uh, go and ask God to give you some kind of special revelation to get his will. It's right in his word. There's a lot of commands that are his will for us every day. He was thinking too in 1 Thessalonians, sorry, chapter 3, verse 8. He says, for now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught. In 1 Corinthians 15.58, um, a lot of us know these words. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What's the next word? Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, in Peter's concern, or I mean Paul's concern, was that somehow the Philippian church was going to cave in. They were going to allow this, this uh, unstableness in their own Christian walk to just totally shipwreck them. And, and God wants us to understand that, you know what, when, when the times are hard, the times are difficult, as they had been for the Philippian church, that sometimes it's good for somebody to come along and say, hey, you know what, stand firm in your faith. Don't be ashamed of Christ. Don't you dare for a, a second doubt the power of the gospel. It has the ability to save. It has the ability to transform lives. Don't believe the world that's saying, oh, you know what, you don't have to be so vocal about your religion and, you know, that neighbor that lives across the street that you've never shared Christ with. You know, it's not your responsibility. Don't buy into that stuff. Trust God to do that work in your heart that he desires to do so that we can stand firm in the Lord. And next week we're going to look at what exactly that, that means. Um, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I know this is just kind of an introduction to this section of scripture, but Father, we pray that uh, just through the music that we've sung and, and Lord, the idea of putting ourselves aside and forgetting about our pride and, and, and Lord, really desiring to make you the focus of our life. Lord, we all desire here this morning um, to have stable Christian lives. Um, I just pray this morning that you would commit yourself to God. Uh, just pray, Lord, I want to be spiritually stable. Lord, I, in these days and these weeks to come, as we look at these couple scriptures, Lord, help me to learn these principles of stability and help me to apply them to my life. Prepare my heart as we go through this section of scripture that I wouldn't miss this. Lord, I want to be spiritually stable. And Lord, we, we want to learn how to do that. Help us to apply those. Father, it's our prayer for this church that it might stand firm against all that comes against it. Not for our own sakes, but that your name might be glorified. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name.
Amen. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650 650- 366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.